I'm Laurel Henning, a Sydney-based journalist, and I'm joined by my fabulous friend, podcast producer, Melbourne-based, it's Sasha Kelly. It and is. we're here. <laughs> <laughs> and we're here to talk all things making friends in our 30s and the cultural things that we've been enjoying recently. But Sasha, how are you? I'm well, Laurel. I am actually really well. I'm not just saying that. I've got um, some dark chocolate that I've been nibbling on. I'm being very polite because I hate mouth noises on mic. Have you made any friends this week or in the past couple of weeks since we last recorded? Have you made any new friends? So I'm using the podcast as a kind of... what's the word when you say that you're going to do something to hold me accountable we're holding you to account you're holding me to account because um when I was in London I used to go to a playwriting class on (gasps) a Monday night and I loved it and I went for about a year and I wrote basically two scenes um but I made really good friends with like a little group of us we'd always go to the pub we'd always be there till like 10 30 after class get the get a really late tube home and I started going to the theater with them really regularly and it was just oh, a I really nice group of people good well, not always good <laughs> theater but always a good group that we could chat about afterwards and they were so different from me as well like one was like had grown up in Cambridge the other um had traveled all over the world with his dad being an actor the other was in a polyamorous relationship like it was just three very different people anyway it's one of the things that I really miss about living over there and I've been going through some stuff lately and I've been thinking I really want to write about it I know that a writing group really helps me. So I found a writing group and I'm going to go in October. I've, that's the next like available session Love when they that. start. And I'm a bit terrified. So I'm putting it out there because I know that if I don't say it and I don't say it to you, <laughs> <laughs> then I'll chicken out. Uh, because I won't write things, I won't read, I'll, I won't go to things, I'll go, oh, no, 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 it's not for me. But it's like desperately what I really – I don't want to be a writer. I just really enjoy it. So that's what I'm pledging. Pledging, that was the word I was <laughs> October, we're writing it down, we're going to yep. circle back. Yep. Love this. Yes. Also, cannot believe that you've brought this up this evening. I have just this na- – this – last half hour got off the phone with a dear friend of mine uh in the uk who has um joined a writing group and we were talking about joining writing groups and she was encouraging me to do so and she's completed a draft of a novel that's incredible Mm. that's Mm. really impressive isn't it? And yeah, she was just really encouraging me and she's been sending me all these links to this workshop and this group. And uh, when we went on our road trip, Sasha, I remembered and it's slipped from my mind that I had this idea for a story and I need to <gasps> revisit did it. did in Tathra. <laughs> Nights in Tathra. It was, it was going to be a fantastic rom-com. So look, the people who listen, I know I'll buy a copy once you once you finish writing it. And I and thinking about it again, I'm sort of excited about the story again. So I think I, I do need to it's just setting aside that time. And I think because I write for a living, writing in the evening doesn't feel like a very 
I don't feel like I can access that creative part of, mm. your, of my mind. And then I think, oh, it would be nice to write on a weekend. And it was like a sort of New Year's resolution for myself. Anyway, I haven't done it as much as I would like to. Maybe I just need to create some sort of different routine or discipline. But I love that you're going to do this. And yes, the suggestion from my friend was to join a writing group. And I know that there are ones in the area. And I know that there are various social ones that are more social than others, ones that are more... Um, sort of more disciplined probably than others but um yeah I think that would be that would be a good thing so oh I love that you're doing this have you started your pottery class yet no that's also starting in October so that's why I need oh, to look at the date coming down that track I know, and my jewelry jewelry class so um that's why I do oh my need- gosh the pearls <laughs> The pearls. So that is why I need to look at my diary and just check what's going to be possible. I, I Can I make, I'm just going to, I'm eating up the time, but I'm just going to make one more argument for writing groups. And that is because even though I don't fancy, I'm, I'm not a professional writer, although I do have to write things in my job. But my favorite people are people who are creative and artistic and think about things. And there is something about Yes. Yeah. Like you. Um, and there's something about <laughs> writing groups that brings that those kind of minds together. And so I, I used to write just so I'd have an excuse to go to the group and talk to these people because that was my Love favorite part was the class. So, uh, yeah, I'm I just here for the beers afterwards and the beers afterwards. That was just my whole. I, I'd be like, I have to write 500 words because otherwise. I'm not doing my job as part of the writing group, but I had no interest in finishing a play. Creative circles, they're just fantastic places to be. Anyway, what have you been doing now that I've talked about my writing group over and over again? I'm going to have to edit out some weird stomach noises from my end. My goodness. (laughs) Wow. Well, I... I know that I've banged the drum of joining a book club as a way to make friends before now. But let me just say that last night... I had a first friend date. Well, it was brilliant. If I had had a romantic date like that, I'd be running off into the sunset with this person. We both said what a great first friend date it was. We just, we'd connected at book club. I think we'd really clicked. And um, actually she said she didn't mind me mentioning her name. This is this is gorgeous Heather from book club. Um, it was the second time that I'd met her at book club. The first time I was like, who is this banter bus that's rolled into town? Come, come on over. Bus. It was great. <laughs> I love it. Also, this has coincided with a dear friend leaving book club mm. and moving to, from Sydney to Melbourne. So I just feel like this is very serendipitous and sort of like, thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you, universe, for the gift of Heather. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, at the last book club, Heather came up to me and she said, do you have Instagram? And I was just like, uh, no one's ever asked me that before in that sort of a way. And I was just, I just said, no, let's just be friends. <laughs> let's, 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 because we need to be friends because let's, let's be friends. And it's just, we were talking about this last night, how at this age, it's uh, to make friends. You're sort of all the way back at the beginning of being in a playground, running up to someone and being like, hi, my name's mm. Laurel, what's your name? I think you said like, that to me in like one of our first episodes is that it's you don't get to pull each other's hair anymore and push each other over <laughs> and go, now we're friends. It's Yeah, like- and you don't have a university society. Like it's, it's lots of, all of those structures have fallen away and it's much harder. Mm. Um, so when you do find someone that you think, 
you. I want you to be in my life. Mm. Hold on tight to that person. Anyway, we went for drinks. Suddenly we got into some really uh, surprising to both of us. I think that we shared some deeper things Mm. that we suddenly were talking a lot about and that was really lovely. Just a laugh a minute. I'm just absolutely thrilled. Just absolutely thrilled to have made a new friend. She's lovely. Oh, well, banter bus Heather. I'm looking forward to one day hopefully meeting you. Uh, because what a sell that was. That was so good. Okay, well, we, we said we're going to keep it nice and snappy. Snap, so snap snap. snap, snap, snap. So I want to know what you're listening to this week. My listening recommendation is a podcast for this week. And it mm-hmm. is the Off Menu podcast with James <sighs> Acaster and Ed Gamble. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Acaster? Mm-hmm. Or A-Caster. A A-Caster, I, I think. A-Caster. This used okay. to be the podcast that everyone in radio listened to when I was working in really? London. Really? Yeah. It was the, okay. like, anyone you talked to at Global, which was one of the BBC's main competitors, would be like, it is a really good show. <laughs> okay, so just for context, these are two British comedians. The format of the podcast is basically the your generic, well, it's not generic, but... It's a format that is used broadly, though, isn't it? Like, it's Desert Island Discs, Mm, it's mm. um, Films to be Buried with, which is another podcast. Um, I think there's one that, what's her name? Laura, someone does on, and it's podcasts, like you're picking your favourite podcast. that's very meta. This this is like, yeah, this is kind of like your, but this isn't as morbid as your death row meal. This is, you're in the dream restaurant, the genie and the waiter appear to you. James A. Castor is the genie. And then you get to do your dream, yeah, your dream menu, oh. which is starts with the catchphrase "Poppadoms or bread." So you know it's a British bread. podcast. I think from from that choice. What's your okay. choice? Bread. Yeah, yeah. Um, still a sparkling water. Sparkling because I'm fancy. Okay, we'll get into that. <laughs> and then um, your starter, your main side dish, dessert, and drink of choice. Mm. And in amongst that, there's various chat. Now, there have been two episodes recently that I've really enjoyed. I thought initially I was only going to be recommending the Taryn Egerton um, episode. Great. Brilliant episode, mainly because he's a fan of the podcast, which is always great when a podcast has a fan of the podcast on it. You know it's going to be a good episode. Mm -hmm. But he said things like um, he chose sparkling water, as you did. For the specific reason that sparkling water is the gentler cousin of champagne, which I really enjoyed. <laughs> you know, he's been thinking about that line too because he's a he's a fan of the podcast, so yeah, he would and have then been he described just gin, on it. ginger beer is like the awkward uncle at a dinner party. Oh, that's good. And then they started talking about the fact that apparently Ed Gamble at family like group meals in restaurants likes to just throw out spoilers at the beginning so when the waiter comes over he'll be like so i'll have a diet coke we'll have a round of poppadoms for the table and also um serious black dyes <laughs> i like how you also pick serious black i think that's the one they do in the podcast okay because i was that. like there's several other like you could do a dobby you could do a dumbledore but you went like mid midway through the series <laughs> I That's know, I could have done a Game of Thrones on as well to just nod yeah, to Yeah, just to get on theme, but we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit. Get ready, listeners. Okay. Okay, so that was a really good episode. Mm-hmm. I'm really You've sold me. Up. So many people have told me about this podcast. I'm going to download it right this second. She's doing it now. I'm watching her doing it. You've ne- I've never been successfully converted, but I'm going to try it. 
the second episode of the same podcast that I really want to recommend as heartily is the Maisie Adam episode. Now, Maisie Adam is a fellow comedian. Mm. I have never laughed so much in a pod listening to a podcast. I laughed almost as much as I laughed at our recording last time. It was a lot. So I'm not even going to go into some of the jokes that were made. It was just hilarious. So please, please listen to Maisie Adam and Taryn Egerton. What have you been? What have you been reading? We're going to save reading? our watching. We've got, okay. to, we've got to save our watching. Well, look, Laurel, I'm oh, obviously... Oh, no, hold on. Sorry. You haven't said what you've listened to, have I? No. Chaos Central. Chaos. Uh, look, I'm going to go back to back for you. So I am listening to, I think I've recommended it before, but I am a big fan and it's been a while. Um, I've been listening to You're Wrong About. Um, oh, <laughs> me too. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a good show. And I think it's so good. I think I've been, I think because uh, the host, the last time I think I recommended mm. it, it was still Michael and Sarah working as a mm. team. And Michael has left to go be on maintenance phase, which I'd also recommend. Although I dip in and out of that one a little bit more. Um, and instead of Sarah just giving up, she's decided to now invite on different guests and different hosts. And you look like you're going to burst. So while I look up what I actually listen to, why don't you tell me your thoughts on your wrong about? I just, I just want to say that there are times I don't always listen to your wrong about. It's not a must, must listen when it drops into my feed. But I tell you what, when you're feeling a little bit, um, how to say, like disenchanted from a feminist perspective with the world around you, to listen to Sarah's voice is to feel... Uh, seen, understood, and impassioned, mm-hmm. and and I just think the world is a better place for her being in it. I absolutely, <laughs> she's brilliant. She's so intelligent. Sorry, <laughs> I love when I've discovered that like your fandom that just comes she's across. Oh, so, intelligent! Look, I I completely agree because in the last two weeks, I've listened to the Anastasia episode, the Roe v. Wade episode, uh, Henry Lee Lucas versus Rachel Monroe episode. Um, and then just this afternoon, I've been listening to the crossover episode that Sarah Marshall does on maintenance phase about the Scarsdale diet murder. So everything you just said, basically, I just completely, I feel like I'm in the company of very intelligent friends. They always, they're so much faster than you as well, because they make these hilarious jokes. And I think oh, I wish I'd said that. Um <laughs> um like to the one that I was listening to this afternoon they're talking about a diet book and how it wasn't particularly uh uh, medically sound and they said well let's be honest that's most diet books they're about two pages of scientific evidence that some publishers come along and decided to make 200 pages out of and anyway it's just they're just hilarious Uh, So that is my listening and I'm going to roll on to my reading very quickly because I've started reading a new book, but just like uh, my writing group, I'm not going to reveal it because every time I've revealed a book that I've started but haven't finished, I've never finished on this podcast. (laughs) So I'm not going to do it. But instead, for my birthday, uh, my mum gave me a, or my mum and my dad gave me a new book one new book, a publication of David White's poems. I've already got one, which I recommended last year, which is The Consolations, but this one is still possible. And there's one that he's written called For the Road to Santiago, which he wrote for his niece uh, when she travelled the Santiago, and I've always wanted to do the Santiago. 
Um, and it's very short. So I'm just going to read it to you. Or no, are you going to say something? No, do you, I was going to say, can you just explain what the Santiago is for people? Sorry, the Santiago, uh, the Camino del Santiago. So it is a uh, pilgrimage across the top of Spain, I believe, and you walk all the way to the coast. And it's based in Christian tradition, but there's uh, people now do it for their own kind of um, pilgrimage. It takes about a month, I believe. Uh, you can do it in stages, uh, but obviously the intended voyage is to do it across the full month, about 20 kilometres a day. I fell in love with it after watching um, a movie called The Way with Martin mm. Sheen that he did with his son Emilio Estevez. Um, oh. That does – it's like quite a gentle and beautiful film about it. That, that, that was the first time I'd encountered the story of the Camino and I thought I'd really like to do that. Anyway, so um, – David White wrote this uh, for his niece to carry with her when she was walking it. For the road to Santiago, don't make new declarations about what to bring and what to leave behind. Bring what you have. You are always going that way anyway. You are always going there all along. I just think he's fantastic. <laughs> so I know it, it's very gentle and there's some other ones that I wish I could read, but, you know, we'll be sitting here for a while. So I'm going to leave I you to I it. I might need you to send me a screenshot of that page because poetry, okay, so like the writing group Echo, poetry is haunting me this week is all I can say. On Sunday evenings, I have a regular call with my parents, uh, both sets of parental units, my mum and stepdad, my dad and stepmum. And on the call with my dad and stepmom this week, we began and I said I'd been to the sea and my dad started quoting this poem. And then we were all like, also, we are not a family that does this. I just want to say that straight away. I don't, I'm not that into poetry. I feel like I never understand it. My dad starts quoting this poem. I feel like our parents are of that generation mm. that sort of learnt things by rote in that manner. We didn't. And None of us could remember the rest of the lines. We couldn't remember who it was by. So I looked it up. I then read the poem to my dad and stepmom, which was like this really lovely, gentle Sunday evening moment. Then I was telling someone else about this, sent them the poem. Then they were saying, they were sharing me like song lyrics as a comparison of sharing poetry. And then my dad and stepmom, we've now said that every week we should share a poem with each other on the call. So maybe I'll take the David White poem into the call because I think that would be a great one. Yes, I I heartily, you know, I only fell in, I think I talked about this last year, I only fell in love with poetry recently. There's still a lot of poetry that I'm like, that I'm less convinced about just in general. I think it's like trying to be intellectual. But um, there's something about, yeah, when you find an author or when you find a poet, I should say, that you really like, it just clock, locks into gear. Yeah. Anyway, what have you been reading? Because you're always reading. <laughs> you're just <laughs> a big reader. <laughs> okay, so I have not read a lot of um, Haruki Murakami in my life. Um, in fact, I've only just finished my second Murakami novel, I just finished After Dark, which was published actually way back in 2004. <laughs> which feels like a really long time ago now. And it's all, it's a very slim novel, which is a selling point, I know, for mm -hmm. some people. Um, and it is set quite literally over the course of one night in Tokyo, um, follows one uh, female character and then her sister 
is asleep in like another narrative. There's like a lot of reality bending as there is mm. with Murakami. Yeah, it it's really set in that period of night where really weird things happen anyway. And there are some dark and twisty things happening, but then there, there are also some pretty sci-fi, not sci-fi, like uh, fantasy or magical realism, I guess, sort of things happening as well. Um, and it's it was really good. I was gripped. Um, there were some really sort of threatening, spooky things happening. But then there was also this connection between the two sisters that was really beautiful to read about and... I really enjoyed it. So she told me that the next one I should read is Men Without Women. So let me know whether you agree with that, listeners. Okay, very interesting. All right, well, we talked about it briefly at the top, but we haven't addressed it since, that we've decided to do a mutual, yeah, a mutual, <laughs> you can't see us, but we're shaking our fists with excitement. Um we're doing a little mini blockbuster, uh, cultural blockbuster this week yeah, on uh, what we've been watching. And we've both watched House of the Dragon. Yes, we have. Episode one. Because that's all that's available as we record. Yes. I am so glad that you had watched it because I saw all the posters, obviously. I'm not blind. And <laughs> <laughs> as everyone else probably has seen them. <laughs> And last night I thought, do you know what? I want to try and watch this before we record because it would be a good thing to talk about this week. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was obviously going for drinks with gorgeous Heather. So I only managed to watch the first half before I went out for drinks. And then I thought, I'm going to stay up and watch the second half when I get back. And I did. And I am so glad that I did. But then today I suddenly felt like, do you know what? I actually don't feel like I know anyone who's watched it that I can talk to you about. And my goodness, you came through, Sasha. I did. So now we're going to discuss it. Yes, because first of all, I will say uh, on I am the type of Game of Thrones fan who started watching the series when I was living in a house chair with boys and they yeah. were watching season two and I was kind of very like, oh, what is this? And then, you know, just by osmosis, just by being in the living room with them, I was like, oh, this is quite good. Sit down, watch it. So I got into it about season three. I then saw The Red Wedding and um, – never swore I'd never spoilers be- spoilers everyone oh yeah there sorry are gonna be spoilers yeah if yeah you don't want any Game of Thrones now. spoilers then sorry um then decided I would never be stuck in that position again so I then went and read all the books before season four came out wow <laughs> in very when I put my mind to reading I can read very very quickly so that is the level so and then I became really quite obsessed with Game of Thrones so that's the scene that I'm setting because we've never talked about this before so this no, is a, a I moment of discovery Game of Thrones watch it yeah exactly yeah what about okay. you and then tell me about yeah and then well, just your level of fa- fandom with Game of Thrones sure so I did not start watching it until <laughs> I was dating someone who was really into mm. it obviously classic I quickly watched all of those so that we could then watch the latest season when it came out but when you watch something like Game of Thrones so intensely like that it gets really into your brain and I was so grateful I did get to watch it without ever having had any spoilers given to me and I think that is I mean yeah I'm very grateful that I had that experience because it is an incredible show for all that people say about the the final seasons and and things being ruined but I may have today been quite distracted from my work because wow did I go on it I'm here I'm here for this series I went on a deep dive of um becoming completely well low-key obsessed with Emma Darcy who was going to play the older version of Rhaenyra what were your thoughts on the show because I've seen a 
lot of different commentary online. I'm like you, I felt, I kind of turned it back on. It was a bit like revisiting an ex where you're like, mm. you're like, I remember, I remember the bad bits. I don't remember the good bits. I'm, I'm <laughs> I remember com- how you made me feel. I remember how you made me feel at the end when it all <laughs> fell apart in my hands. And I was desperately hoping it would get better and it just sizzle, it just fizzled out. It was like revisiting someone and being like, oh, this is why I loved you. This is so yeah. good. I just went, oh, I just love the, the uh, behind the closed doors, uh, calculating politics. I've got to be honest, I skipped through the birth scene a bit because I just can't handle anything around childbirth on television um that's that gruesome sorry for the spoiler uh but all the other all the politics I'm there for it I'm there for the like weird sexual chemistry between an uncle and his niece and you're like I don't know whether I don't know how I feel about that that is clearly wrong but you're writing it and you're all leaning into it so I guess we're on board with it I don't know and also between the two girls as well between them as friends yeah yeah I felt I didn't that's definitely well. They've written that as it will become a sexual tension. I oh, think, so. really? Yeah, Interesting. you should be prepared for that. I, I thought it was a, a competitiveness thing because then obviously there's the jousting and the different princes. Uh, I'm jumping all over the place. What were your thoughts? Because I know you're going to have organised notes yeah. that are going to make more can sense. We, can we agree that we're going to we will spoil this episode to discuss yeah. this? Okay. Yeah. So if you haven't watched this episode, then. Um, Sorry. Don't listen to the rest of our episode. Yeah. It's been great having you here. Bye. Enjoy the rest of your day. Bye. <laughs> I'm having a piece of chocolate while you talk to yeah. me. Um, I So I loved this first episode. It brought us back to everything that we loved about Game of Thrones. We loved the setup, which was all of that first season of Game of Thrones was like the setup the the board setting up the board of all of these chess pieces and how they were going to interact and move around all of the politics of it all of the family um dynamics love that but because this whole season you can tell i've done a youtube deep dive today is being directed one of the directors and showrunners is the guy who directed big episodes of game of thrones the big battle episodes like battle of the bastards and things like that Mm-hmm. So we should be expecting that this first season is not just a setup season, but also will have those epic episodes as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you can feel that already, and that's really exciting. So I loved that there was the setup of um, those like intricate and introductions, the introductory bits. I sort of rolled my eyes at like the pleasure house scenes because I was like yeah of course we're getting this like you come you come to Game of Thrones for a bit of titillation to be honest but uh, like let's let's not deny ourselves but at the same time I was like yeah okay all right Matt Smith is just like pounding some woman like fine okay whatever he also (laughs) ate the scenery he is the hammiest actor and I love it he's just like fully committed to being whoever he is, whether it's Prince yeah. Philip, Doctor Who, <laughs> some Targaryen prince who loves Damon. killing people. It's just, I'm um, Matt Smith, just, yeah, great. Mm. Love it. At the same time, also loved the, I think this was a real nod to Game of Thrones fans. When he is battling... Um, uh, I can only think of... Uh, yeah, Crispin. Yep. I could only think of the actor's name, which is 
Fabian. Because um, <laughs> I've obviously been on a YouTube deep dive. Um, slightly fabulous, but yeah. But wasn't that, didn't you think that that was a nod to um, when there was that uh, sort of, um, not a jousting match, but that sort of tournament, uh, how do you how do you say that? Like that, that, ma- that, uh, that fight in Game of Thrones where we thought that the good guy had won and then the other guy got up. Uh, you're meaning, um, you're talking about the, um, the mountain. About the serpent. The, the mountain. mountain and the serpent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I did. I thought, um, I, I also went on a YouTube deep dive and I also thought it was very interesting because the director talked about the fact that all violence on screen has to have a narrative behind it because he said okay, otherwise good. it's going be- to be just for the sake of it. And so he was talking about that's why he wove that um, jousting fight scene in with the childbirth, with the childbirth. scene. Because he said okay. he wanted to kind of have that contrast of like the beginning and the end and how both of them were serving a sort of story purpose um which because I saw a bit on Twitter that was uh I hate that I'm saying that but you know I did see a bit of um feedback from some prominent female writers that I like who was like taking issue with the fact that I want to talk about this yeah he was making uh battlefield the equivalent of childbirth I always give oh, it a- see that wasn't my my issue with it I have to say was more um perhaps I think in the Roe v Wade context watching something like that on screen where she has absolutely no agency she thinks she's in safe she thinks she's in safe hands and her husband just goes I love you and then has her killed cut essentially open, killed yeah. like in the most it was so yeah, it was hot. It was very. I I found that almost unbearable to watch. I, I didn't think watch it because it was I, childbirth. Yeah, I couldn't bring myself and to I, watch that. And I did feel a little bit like, oh no, we're not going to do that thing where we're just brutally violent to faceless women in this. I really hope. We, I really hope we've moved through that because I do feel like the earlier seasons, especially of Game of Thrones, were a bit like that, where the female characters were less. By the end of Game of Thrones, the, the female characters were incredibly, incredibly important. But right early on, it did feel a bit more like that. But I'm encouraged by the fact that at the centre of this entire season and this entire story are two women and their relationship. And apparently that will mean also, so I've understood from the interviews that I've watched, that like a lot of the sex will be more from the female gaze and all of mm. this kind of stuff. So I'm looking forward to that, if that's delivered on. But... That remains to be seen, but I just wanted, yeah, I just wanted to jump in on. on yeah, that because well. I do think um, one of the great tragedies. We are turning a bit to Game of Thrones here, but one of the great tragedies for me was um, how undercooked the Jon Snow and uh, Daenerys Targaryen love story was. Because of exactly what you're saying, like Rob Stark, Jon Snow with a grit, lots of the other characters who had genuine, real loves on the show of Game of Thrones, mm. of which there were very few because lots of people didn't marry the person that they loved, mm. um, uh, had like a well-constructed backstory to it. And I felt like that was one of the rare things, which is when she was turning into the Mad Queen, you really didn't understand or I just didn't feel like enough time had been spent to actually have really believable chemistry between those two characters before aside from the fact basically like like, rushed they're both hot and like I'm sure they would have been attracted to each other someone today Jon Snow's bum still a television highlight of the last decade let's not let us not forget Jon Snow's bum he must I'm pretty sure there was like a global (gasps) as he turned over in that bedroom scene just a 
I'm sure he was doing squats for months. Squats for absolute days. (laughs) Squats. Um, But yeah, aside from his (laughs) rather delightful bum. I just got this image of Kit. (laughs) Yeah, aside from his bum, there was really not much else between those two characters that I... That I believed that he would have defended her as soon as well, she started. wasn't between them. Oh. Wait, sorry. <laughs> as soon as she started killing people, I'd be like, "Excuse me, what's going on, Miss?" Or brutally assassinating them, I should say. She was always killing people. I'm particularly excited to. I'm excited. Yeah, and sorry. I think <laughs> I can tell you're excited. I think I'm also really excited because uh, this is going to sound very. Um, uh, commercial of me but it's like when Game of Thrones first started it had no budget because it was really like let's see if this works and then you can almost see the ego take over the creative side as the seasons kind of progress and it but this is a uh, television series that the studios are going to be on board with because they know that there's an audience out there who loved mm. Game of Thrones. Mm. They've hired the best talent who worked on the best episodes of Game of Thrones. It's a very well thought out and well constructed uh, world because I have actually read a fair bit about this um, <laughs> because I'm a nerd. Um, so the the plot lines are going to have this George R. R. Martin, oh, I've just forgot to finish it. Like this is really does have – an arc already inbuilt so I just feel like if there's ever going to be a success story this is going to be it and I'm really I'm here for it I'm excited I'm really yeah I'm really excited yeah (laughs) but I'm specific the two the two actors I am the most excited about are the older versions of the two central female characters interesting I'm excited about both of them and Matt Smith I love because Matt Smith. Because you love Matt Smith. I love Matt Smith. He's not. I have loved Matt clearly... Smith since, not to like usurp your love of Matt oh, Smith. Oh, no, you definitely but can. I, I have been a fan of Matt Smith since he was in a little known series called Party Animals in the UK, which was all about political lobbying. And it was brilliant. I feel like I've seen that on one of my streaming services and now I'm going to go watch it. You should go and watch it for some early Matt. That's pre-Doctor Who, Matt Smith. Okay, excellent. Okay, well, that's it for this week. As always, you can find us on Instagram. We're at threewheelingpod. I got it right. email us threewheelingpod at gmail.com. Um, Are we threewheelingpod at gmail.com or threewheeling at gmail.com? Threewheelingpod at gmail.com. I'll put one of them in. Um, And until next time, uh, it's been a pleasure. Bye. Bye.